podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello, welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. It's over. It's over. Pod three, four, six. The final isolation pod of the season. Uh, Isolation. Isolation. (laughs) Beautiful. Uh, Right, I am Jim Daly, and joining me, Mr. Kevin Day is here. Hello. Hello there. How are you? I'm very excited because one of us is in a cab. Well, one of us is. It's not me. It's not you. Let's find out. Is it Andy Street? Are you in a cab? Yeah, I'm in a cab. <laughs> Terrible. Awful. Awful acting. Um, you're not. But Mr. Jesse Boyce, mask and all, is in a cab. Jesse, this, I feel this is like Challenge Annika. Tell us where you're going. Uh, I'm going to pick up a camper van to take my kids camping for the weekend. Um, and this is the only way I could make it work, JD. Still in South London. Still in South London. Definitely, definitely South London. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might, you're the first ever pod member to pod in a cab, and we massively appreciate you multitasking to join us for, for what is the final pod of what's been a mad long season. Uh, and before we talk about that and the Spurs game, the one or draw, which is the last game of the season, of course, we need to do a random shout out to a random patron. So can I get, probably not from Jesse, I'm guessing, but the other two, um, a drum roll, please. Uh, it's Mr. Matt Crawley. Hi, Matt. Hey, Ooh. hey Matt. And you can, this is going to be a great pod. And you can uh, join our patron like Matt. And get all the rewards it entails at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. You do, you do realise Jesse's Uber's now going to take him to Crawley, didn't you? Of <laughs> <laughs> course that, mate. Crawley. All right. Okay. Uh, part one, we're going to talk about the Spurs game. One all draw, ending that run of seven defeats on the bounce. Uh, thank goodness. And in part two, we're going to do a quick season review of what's been a mad season. And in part three, we've got questions from our listeners. Uh, Kevin, let's start off with that Spurs game hmm. a one-all draw uh Jeffrey Schlupp cancelling out that Harry Kane goal um we've finally ended that run of defeats I think a lot of us thought we'd end up with eight defeats on the bounce this season it's seven defeats on the bounce but for you was that quite a positive performance because I think a lot of people felt like actually that we've ended the season there on after that horrible run not too bad a performance there do you know, JD, you know how much I like you and respect you, and you wouldn't want me to lie to you, would you? Um, but I, I, I suspect that I reckon there's thousands, I know that there are thousands of people listening to this pod. I reckon most of them didn't watch all that, that all the way through. I didn't. 
as soon as I heard as soon as I heard Watford were a goal down, I switched that on and laughed at that. And then I watched a bit of West Ham Villa. There was more exciting things going on, basically. I slipped in and out. I managed to turn on for Harry Kane's goal, and I got there for Sloppy's goal. That was that was great. Sloppy, who, who knew that that corner routine would work again one day? It's aimlessly, aimlessly slinging it towards the back post where two men are waiting unmarked for a Scott that knockdown. It was it, it was a more positive. I didn't quite know what to do with myself at the end of it, actually, because before the game, we would have taken a one-all draw against Tottenham all day, basically. But it it, it was... the Definition of meaningless end of season games, really. I, I suspect Tottenham, if they needed to win that game by three goals, probably would have won that game by three goals. But they were happy to let it meander away at the end. And I think it was a deserved point on the second half showing. And it was a massive relief not to end up on a really negative note. And having said that, the fact that we were nearly doing cartwheels because of drawing at home of Tottenham, who haven't been particularly good lately, is an indication of how turgid the season's been really I can't believe you said you liked me on the podcast that's, that's my main takeaway what do you from think that? I do this you don't pay us anything you, you rarely name check us or say thank Let, you la, so there la, must la, be la, some la, element let's of move on to the next uh, person which is um, Jesse did you watch the game I did. Fantastic. Um, talk to us a bit about Jeffrey Schlupp then, because it was uh, a return to the side for Schluppy. As Kevin says, a wonderful goal from a superbly worked corner routine. Um, but it was good to see Schluppy back. A bit of balance to that left side, particularly in front of young Tariq Mitchell. I think that's exactly it. Um, I think at the end of the at the end of the pod for the preview for the Spurs game, I think I finished up saying I would just take any result where we didn't lose. Um, and just finish the season without without it being a dire sort of tailspin. So I think it's just really pleasing not to lose uh, in the final game after that dismal run. But what you said about Sloppy, clearly he's there to kind of help out Mitchell and protect him a little bit with his defensive know-how. But he just did what we what we know Sloppy can do. He just doesn't muck about. He shoots on sight. He's very very direct. Um, I think there was another instance in front of the box where he, he just he just tries to join the dots very quickly. He does not get caught up in taking too many touches of the ball like a punching or a Zaha sometimes does. So it's a welcome return to the side stuffy. Shame he didn't return a bit earlier in the since the restart. It is so weird watching you talk with that mask on. Um Streety, I, I thought um I mean Sloppy was great. I thought Mitchell again looked very good, very composed. Um, quite a mature performance, quite a few crosses from the left, sort of getting away down the left and putting some crosses in. It's been a bit of a baptism of fire for him, really, with his first two starts against Wolves and against Spurs. But, and I'm, I'm absolutely not comparing him to AWB whatsoever. But in a similar way that his start was very difficult, do you think there are shades of AWB in there in terms of that sort of maturity of performance? So you are comparing it to AWB? <laughs> Just a little bit, not, not 100%. Well, you, you are not, 30%. Are, you are, are, are you comparing him to AWB or are you not? I'm loosely comparing him to AWB. So, so you are comparing him to AWB? Loosely. Well, I mean, much in the same way as, given that you are comparing him to AWB, much in the same way that AWB had uh, a particularly difficult run at the start of his uh, baptism of fire, in seeing that um, Spurs was his first game, wasn't it? And then he ended up playing, I think, Arsenal, Man United and various other of the very top teams in very quick succession. Um, you know, in some ways, I, I guess it might be helpful for Mitchell that um, there aren't crowds in there. I know that crowds very much want to get behind the young players, but 
there's almost that anxiety amongst fans with a youngster that, you know, if he makes a little bit of a, uh, a howler early doors, then, you know, you hear sort of gasps of breath and so forth. And I suppose playing that much higher level of football, but without the scrutiny of people in the stands might counterintuitively have worked in his favour. But um, yeah, he certainly hasn't looked out of place, has he? I mean, he, he, he is technically very good by the looks of it. He, he's not, um, he's, he's no shirk when it comes to a turn of pace and his position has looked okay so far. Um, I thought he struggled a tiny bit at times with certain of the key moments in the Wolves game, but that's that's ultimately going to happen for a fullback of, of that young age. Um, and it's positive to see him come through. I mean, by all accounts, he is the player that they expect at the moment is good enough for the first team amongst um, a dearth of uh, real leading lights otherwise. So it's, it, it's it's very encouraging to see him, one, given that chance, and, and two, him, I wouldn't say necessarily taking it with, with both hands, but certainly doing really well. I think if we, if we are sort of comparing him to AWB... <laughs> The only big difference, if you remember the first AWB game, the very first game, I think it was, I think Scott Dan was a centre back inside him, uh, but whichever centre back it was, we talked to that pod that he was he was trying to talk AWB through the game, and AWB didn't want to be talked through the game. He was quite confident in his own ability, whereas Mitchell looks a little bit like he does probably need a bit of guidance. He's 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 even smaller than AWB. But I, I think no. I think he's done creditably. I think he's done really well, and I think he, he, he did make slight position errors in the Wolves game. But so did other Palace players, to be perfectly honest. So I think that's one of the big positives that's come out of this season. I, I suspect that if PVA is still with us and he's available, I don't think we'll be starting with Ferguson on one side and him on the other uh, at the start of next season. But knowing that he's potentially ready to come on and play is, is really good news. Well, obviously PVA does have that in- shoulder injury and mm. but seeing as the season next season starts so quickly, then I guess there are decisions to be made or maybe another transfer to come in in the summer. But I thought, Kevin, what was really interesting was uh, Jose Mourinho after the game actually singled out Mitchell. Uh, with his post-match comments saying how how good he was and how many problems he gave Palace. And also Mitchell's comments are interesting because he talked about learning from the Wolves game, trying to take it in his stride, listening to the other players. And you got the impression there's actually quite a mature head on these young shoulders. He's not someone that's just getting ahead of himself. He's just sort of taking it one stride at a time. And I think with a young player, that's firstly quite rare, but always quite good to see. Would it be? I'd be interested to, f- to find out whether he spoke to AWB, whether how well he knows him, because you know, recently we always used to talk about Jason Punchin was the senior player who always guided the young players on and off the pitch, and I, I, I understand that Wilf takes that role quite seriously as well. So I imagine Wilf would have been looking after him during the week, but he seemed to really enjoy himself as well. That's the other thing, and that's the thing that was noticeable when Wambasaka died. He, he just loved playing football. He loved to tackle, and, and this this youngster looks exactly the same. Way and he wants to get forward as well, and he, like you say, he gets crosses in. So he is, yeah. Potentially, he looks like a a really good player. And even if we have him for a season and get another forty five million quid out of Man United for him, then that <laughs> is good business for the academy and for us. Very much so. That'd be great business. Uh, that that for me is the main positive. I think of this. I know it's a bad run of games, but if we're going to look for positives to end the season on the form of Tyreek Mitchell and the potential of him and uh, his display in those two games, I think is a positive. Jesse, if I could sort of lean towards a negative, I guess it's probably the form of Wilfred Zaha in the last few weeks of season. And do we think that that might have possibly been Wilf's? Last game, there was sort of a few uh, rumours, I guess, around his future, as there always is in the summer. But um, 
uh, there's a lot of questions around Wilf, isn't there? His his future next move, but also just recently he's just not quite been the bubbly Wilf that we know that is always so good towards the. <laughs> This is a sound effect special, this pod, isn't it? That's Wilf ringing now. He's clearly heard that I'm slagging him off. Um, what are your thoughts on Wilf in general then at the moment, Jesse? Uh, the, stream that I, the stream that I was watching it on, the cameras were really zoomed in close to the, at the end of the game and the players were going off the pitch. So I, could, I was looking out to see if there was any kind of telling footage of Zaha. But I couldn't see anything. I don't know if anyone's seen anything anything to lead into there um, I mean he must be if he if it is his last game it must be bittersweet for him in some ways he would have liked to have signed off properly saying goodbye to the fans but maybe it's easy for him just to walk out of an empty Selhurst and uh, you know he hasn't got that kind of emotional um, exit to deal with um well they're not they're not just rumors they're not just rumors though jesse are they i mean rory hodgson said he's an unhappy player he hasn't given his best he wants to leave so if, if the manager's saying that that's a fair indication that he wants to leave isn't it yeah so uh, yeah 12 months ago when the rumors the rumor mill started or like end of last season it was kind of it, it was kind of equal billing which one was going to go Zaha or AWB because it was pretty it was pretty nailed on that both of them would go but I thought it would have been Zaha just simply because AWB was only one season in so I was re- I was really surprised even though the rumours were quite well established by the time he did go I was surprised it was AWB that went and not Zaha last summer but yeah I mean it, 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 I'm pretty resigned to it this time I think He's 27 now. He's we're really not going to get a huge price tag for him as he gets older. Um, I, I just you just got to hope the business gets done early. We just don't want this dragging on into the window as as we've covered before. Uh, it's been it's been a bit of a shame. I think it's I think his stats for the season. You look at his goals and assists; they're not as bright as previous seasons, and he hasn't really shone through despite the number of minutes he's played. It's just He's been a little bit absent in influencing our season. It just seems, it seems every year we've had somebody step up to score the goals. It was obviously Benteke's first year was great. Then I think the year after when he stopped scoring, it was a season. We've had a couple of seasons of penalties from Milivojevic. And then this season, no penalties, no penalties, maybe one, was it one goal from penalties from Milivojevic? And then AU has suddenly piled in with a unprecedented loads of Premier League goals so we've just it's just been a real shame that he hasn't gone out on a, a massive massive high it doesn't look like he's, he's played for a big move does it it doesn't look like he's really put himself on the shop window at all so it's really anyone's guess where he ends up um, but personally I'd be amazed if he left London yeah, Kevin, it's almost like that that uh, that Bournemouth game in the last season, the five three, almost would have been the perfect way to sign off. And if 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 we do lose Wilf now, it is a bit of a sort of a damp exit. No fans, no goodbye. But I guess we just have to wait and see. Well, also as Jesse said and as Andy said in the past, with probably forty million pound less than we would have got this time last season, basically because you know Steve Parrish uh, valued him at eighty million quid this time last year which was probably optimistic a little bit but you would have expected 65 70 I think you're looking at 35 40 and I still think the Everton is the most persistent 
rumour. I agree with Jesse. I mean, he's a London boy and he wasn't particularly happy the last time he went to the North West. But I think I think if they're if Everton are the only club, then I think he will go because he yeah the, the the noises all are that he he wants to he wants to leave Palace and he wants to kickstart his career again. And frankly, you couldn't blame him unless the club are promising him five or six new players of the sort of quality that can get him into Europe, then why would he not want to go and play for someone else? Yeah, it'd just be, Andy, it'd be disappointing, wouldn't it, if he did end up at Everton or a Newcastle, or just, I think after everything, it'd be disappointing to see him end up there. But it depends on offers and it depends on the money that Palace get. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the market is incredibly uncertain at the moment, so I'm not going to speculate on who will or won't go for certain players or what they will or won't go for. I, I think there are a lot of unknowns. And I, as with lots of windows, um, quite often it becomes about, well, is liquidity created by one or two big clubs going for one or two really big players who then have to be replaced by the next rung down and then so on and so forth. And um, there have been some big transfers so far and some mooted big transfers like Ake to City and um, Werner to Chelsea and rumoured Havertz to Chelsea and so forth but there haven't yet been a glut of big moves to sort of stimulate the market so I think we'll have to wait and see on that I mean as to Wilf more more generally I mean he's he's not had a great season in terms of goals and assists but you actually look at some of the underlying numbers and he's sort of topped us topped our stats for ball progression shot creation a number of shots he's, the goals haven't flown in for him quite the same way as they have in previous seasons but he's he's had a good season um, if anything I think it probably shows Two things. Number one, that our attack is wholly reliant on him. Not even partially reliant, but wholly reliant on him. We don't have anyone else who is capable of doing those three things. You actually look at it, there's only two other clubs where the same player has topped all three of those stats, and it's Villa, who nearly went down, and Watford, who did, with Grealish and Delafay, mm, respectively. Wow. Um, so, obviously, we would have liked more of those, those shots to fly in or, or more of the potential assists to have been converted, but you actually look at it, and there aren't a huge amount of other chance creators around him. And basically, our attack at the moment is Wilfred Zaha. I mean, I know that I scored a few this season, done pretty well, but in terms of actually generating chance after chance and um, taking shot after shot, Wilf's been very much up there this season. And I guess it then becomes, well, what next? Um, and there have been other, other instances, I guess, of very important um, star players leaving clubs and then um, being replaced. Uh, you know, Ronaldo left Manchester United. You'll have to excuse my toddler son there in the background. Um, Ronaldo left Manchester United and um, was replaced by uh, some pretty average players and they scored 18 additional goals next season. Sometimes you can become too reliant upon one player to the point where all of your attacks generated through him. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not, you know, we... Uh, well, interesting to see first and foremost whether or not Freddie stopped crying after whatever he's done wrong has <laughs> been genuinely disciplined. Uh, but in addition, it'll be interesting to see whether or not we do ultimately decide that you know you can't continue to have all your eggs in one basket and see whether or not we can transition away from that. Um, even if he does stay, and I, I, I'm not going to give a view on that one way or the other. What is clear is that you know we haven't created enough chances this season. We certainly haven't scored enough goals, but we also haven't created enough chances, haven't taken enough shots and haven't progressed the ball enough and something needs to be done about that well the the other stat as well Andy and it, it relates to the the only one penalty this season 
Uh, and that is that Ayu and Zaha were in the top five most fouled players. And yet we still only got one penalty. So that indicates where Zaha and Ayu are spending more of their game this season because they're getting fouled all the time. But they're obviously outside the box. And that's the, the, the big problem. That we've yeah, so- and I don't buy a lot of the, the, the rhetoric you hear from some fans about it being a matter of just tactics. Um, you know, ultimately, chances are created by the by the, the players that you have in your midfield roster, Germany. And if you don't have a lot in the way of players who can pick a pass, players who can go past someone, as Celsius always calls them, flash stands, then you're not going to end up creating a lot of chances. It's, it's pretty much that simple. And in previous squads, even under Roy, Wolf has created chances. You know, you look at the, the squad that had... Kabai, who was pretty good at progressing the ball, and Ruben Loftus Cheek is pretty good at progressing the ball. Palace looked pretty exciting, even last season when there were it, it seemed more options going forward. For example, Batshuayi came into the team. There was more in the way of different attacking outlets. This season we've had one attacking outlet, and he, for whatever reason, has been taking the shots, but they haven't all been going in, which can sometimes happen because you become unlucky or whatever. But they haven't been going in, and when that happens, you end up looking as insipid going forward I guess as we have at times well and that Jesse really as Andy said that sums up the season that summed up the game against Spurs and it sums up the season fairly solid defensively robust in midfield but a lack of cutting options up front I believe this is our lowest scoring season ever in a top flight or someone might correct me if I'm wrong on that and so what Andy's just said there about relying on Wilf pretty much sums up Palace in 1920 uh, it's, the season was 350 days long. It was death by a thousand cuts. It was <laughs> it was not hugely enjoyable. The best thing for me was just being. Put, best thing for me was putting up more of a fight at home than recent seasons, and uh, beating the teams that we not not li- not losing to Watford, not losing to Brighton. They were the highlights, really. Um, it's 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 not been hugely enjoyable. I think that's that's a, a sort of common view from from the, from the terraces, I'd say. But it's as ever the great thing about football is there's always next year. Well said. And you know what? There's always next part of the podcast, which we're going to do <laughs> right now. Uh, so join us after this break. <laughs> My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. It's pod three, four, six. Let's find out where Jesse Boyce is. Jesse, where have you got to? We're literally just about to hit the uh, M4, heading heading to Heathrow. Wow, where are you you going for this camper then? So he's going to go from being a a mobile studio to a static one very soon. Uh, 
That's right. It's somewhere near Heathrow. Um, hey, I'll keep you updated as the scenery changes, JD. Wow, we've got a bit of jeopardy to the pod. This is fantastic. And um, he's still got better audio quality than James Endicott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Uber, driver, Uber driver is a Chelsea fan, and the uh, conversation's not really flowing. So, great, grateful that you're here, guys. You, you can also see all of Jesse's face, unlike Endicott. You can just see the top of his head. You just see the little ginger mop sticking up above the camera. <laughs> uh, right, part two is sponsored by The Athletic, and we're going to use Matt Woosnam's season review to do our own season review of the 2019-20 season. But before we do that, I need to remind you, for the final time this season... The Athletic are a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of Crystal Palace. They're a subscription-based website and app completely ad-free. No pop-ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can still get a seven-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. Matt's article, Kevin it's got the headline that goes as follows. Palace's season. Jordan argues transformation, but dour defensive tactics, uh, which I think is probably quite a good summary. Now, Matt has gone through and picked out some categories. I'm going to see. I'm going to get your guys' categories uh, answers and see if they match up to Matt's. Uh, he's done goal of the season. I think we know that one. And so I'm, a bit, I'm a bit distracted because Jesse's showing us Brentford's new ground on his mobile phone. Is that Brentford's new ground? Yeah. Well, that's not. That's a tower block. Well, spotted, Kevin. Worst goal conceded. They've gone for the Jamie Vardy goal at Leicester, where Mamadou Sacco got it away. But the Kevin, the, the, the category I want you to answer that I'm interested in is funniest moment. So before I reveal Matt's answer, what have you gone for? Oh, well, there was, there was, there was, there were, there were so many. I just, it's hard to narrow down. All, 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 the, all the funniest moments are in the Porson's arms. None of them. What funny moments happened that said that. It's, the only one I could think of that really made me laugh was Villa having that last minute goal disallowed because that weasel Grealish was caught diving by the ref. That was, that was funny. That made me laugh. Watford being relegated, that, that brought a big chuckle. But it wasn't really. It's not going to stand out for its humour this season, is it? Really, and there's not. There are very, very few seasons where you go. Well, that was one of the funniest seasons we ever had, wasn't it? Roy with his constant one-liners after the game. Steve Parrish with his juggling. That was great, wasn't it? There's no. It's, I, I think probably that would be the the funniest moment. Can you imagine Roy doing one-liners off the game? Yeah. It doesn't. My, my, my um, Boxing Day, the mate of mine, West Ham fan, giving it large. Right up until the 89th minute, that was quite funny. Well, actually, can I suggest then? Actually, as a funny moment related to that, is the uh, the social media video of the West Ham fan having his birthday, being given his birthday cake yeah. as the <laughs> RU goal is given <laughs> for VAR. Um, Jesse, have you got any uh, suggestions for funniest moment? No, I was actually thinking of that one. Actually, that was brilliant. That was uh, great timing. That was when that's the only time VAR's been enjoyable, isn't it? In the in the whole season, <laughs> apart from maybe letting us get three points at the London Stadium. Um, yeah, so I don't know really. It's not been that funny. I think I have a flashback to Mike Dean getting celebrated. Was it his 500th game or something like that? Yeah. And no, no, was it 100 red cards? Did you do that this year? Probably. Mike, Mike Dean's been celebrated anyway. And we got Mike, a flashback. Mike, yeah, Mike Dean's beard was funny. Yeah, and lockdown, Mike Dean's lockdown beard was hilarious. But also, a lot, a lot of Mike Dean because he also 
he also got a flashback that he was the referee at Hillsborough, which nobody seems to remember. Oh, wow. Until, until the, um, the sort of flash, lockdown flashback content came into full effect. But yeah, sorry, Daily, I, I haven't got a great deal more than that, to be honest. Speaking of VAR, by the way, and I'm sure Streety would have seen this because he reads the big newspapers, the, the Times did a thing, the Times uh, worked out what the league table would have been if there'd been no VAR this season. And? And we, we were one point worse off and 15th, basically. I think I think the major, I think one team would have got into, Leicester would have got into the Champions League, but that's the only big change. In terms of VR decision, which tells us what? What's our takeaway from that? Tells us that the Times did an article where they did <laughs> <laughs> not everything. Not everything true, has to take. True, true. That's the answer you, I was looking TV for. Producer JD, so don't start saying what's the takeaway on this. Really, <laughs> you're running flags up, looking poles in a minute. I'm not any producer, <laughs> mate. Anyone who listens to this podcast can can know that. Uh, Andy, let me tell you what the funny moment Matt went for. It was um, Palace trolling Sky Sports over the perceived coverage of their Merseyside derby. Uh, which came three days before their trip to Anfield. The Palace TV team gently mocked the supposed excessive nature of the focus on Liverpool and dubbed it Palace versus another <laughs> team, which was very well done. And my personal choice would be Mamadou Sacco's face after he got sent off at home to Bournemouth, <laughs> uh, which was excellent. So it looked like he'd been sort of caught cheating at cards or something. It was a very funny face. Kevin, uh, Matt has uh, prepped a category here called Strangest Quote. I believe you've also picked a strange quote. Uh, yeah, well, there's a couple. There's um, Roy after the Leicester game saying, "I thought we did all right for most much of that." That was a really strange quote. Um, I tell you the, the quote that I really liked. What was it that the Americans said? Harrison Blitzer. What was that thing they said? Oh yeah, nothing. Fuck all. That was it. <laughs> Absolutely no quote from them whatsoever at any part of the season. That was my favourite quote. I think they really need to sort themselves out. Those two, don't they? I've they're the most mysterious billionaires in the world. I think they need to work out what they want. Yeah, basically. Or ask us, we can tell them. <laughs> Invite them on the pod. Can you imagine? Yeah. I mean, get it'd a, be a silent pod for an hour, Get them on it? with Troy Townsend. Harris Blitzer and Townsend, that would be a great pod. It sounds like a 70s, you know, <laughs> uh, super group, doesn't it? Harris Blitzer um, and Townsend, yeah. Let's... Uh, let's move on to um, Jesse. Biggest controversy. Excuse me, you've not asked me for, for my favourite quote. Oh, I didn't. I didn't yeah, believe. I didn't know you picked one. That, no, that, 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 my favourite quote was prior to the Joel Ward podcast when JD decided to talk Joel Ward through what the experience of childbirth is like <laughs> because of Joel Ward's <laughs> pregnant misses and uh, Joel Ward being the nicest, the most polite man on the planet, just sat there while JD told him entirely what it's like to go into theatre and witness a cesarean. <laughs> He seemed very interested. <laughs> I think I, uh, I think I taught him quite a lot that day. God bless him. What a nice guy he is. Uh, you might want to stop asking me questions here because it's going to end badly for you. <laughs> Do you know what? It's the end of the season. All right, all form's gone out the window. So at this point, I just don't care anymore. Um, Jesse, what uh, have you picked a controversy that's uh, that you can remember from this season? I do, but I've got a favourite quote. Oh, blimey! Okay, cool. All right, gone. Uh, I just remember when Parrish came out of the wilderness to do a, a rare bit of a video interview to tell us how he thought things were going. Uh, impeccably timed when when Teke scored his first goal of the season and said that it was good to see Christian back. Good to see Christian back on the score sheet as though it was just some temporary blip. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Excellent. Oh, I should say the quote that Matt's gone for is Roy after giving uh, Brandon five minutes at Cameo saying he should be very grateful, um, which I think was weird. I'm being attacked by a wasp as well. This oh pod has got it all, wasn't it? Do you mind? We're podding. Thank you. Um, biggest controversy. Uh, Kevin, let's go to you for that one. Um, Sacco being sent off against Bournemouth. Sacco disallowed goal against Villa. Sacco <laughs> in general. <laughs> Sacco was the most controversial player. I've, you know, I know Selzy says he's the best centre-back we've ever had, but there's a lot of Palace fans who are not in that camp this season. So I think he was the player, even more than Wilf, I think Sacco was the player that Palace fans argued about the most this season. He's certainly, I think, one of the players that uh, creates the most debate online and probably on this podcast yeah. as well. Um, Andy, have you picked a controversy? Um, well, it's probably bound to be one of the VAR ones, really, isn't it? I mean, I would have said, if you wanted to look at the most controversial thing, it was probably the Socrates VAR decision at the Emirates, which was quite, you know, I think that was the only one that I've seen this season where I've been like, that was a slightly ludicrous decision. But it was in our favour. So, mm. perhaps we'll ignore yeah. that one. So... <laughs> well, Matt's gone for one also in our favour. It wasn't VAR, but it was when Grealish, I think we mentioned this earlier, uh, basically got done for diving on the edge of the box at home to sell us, and Henry Lansbury's goal didn't count. But then he's also mentioned the Sacco VAR in the reverse game. So both Villa games had uh, some controversial VAR slash non-VAR moments. Uh, Jesse, are there any controversial moments that stand out for you this season? Alexander Storlock scoring 31 goals in Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just, to, just to rub it in whilst we were struggling to find the net back home. Uh, and I think someone said it well on Twitter that if we'd been linked with the 31, 31 goal-scoring striker in Turkey this summer, we'd all be very excited yeah. by that. That's so a very good point. That tells you a lot, doesn't it? That is very true. In many ways, it's also hashtag typical palace i'm going to go to our final category now uh matt's got loads of other categories in this article biggest question to answer for next season moment that summed up this season who needs to leave the club but kevin we're going to end on on a positive one which is what's the most exciting thing about next season a vaccine because <laughs> yeah. football wise i can't think of it i did i, I actually did some research there were two moments that you know moment that summed up the season I had, I had yeah. two. I think the first one was the hopeful press release about the health of Kayla the Eagle, followed by the news 48 hours later that she died, which was oh, f- fairly typical Palace. But the, the worst <laughs> one, the, you, know, you know, Opta Opta Index started in the Premier League in 2007, and in our game against Liverpool, for the first time ever, no team we didn't have one touch in the opposition penalty box, and then Palace issued a press release the next day to say yes, we did, we had one. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was pretty much the moment that summed up the season. Being cross about the fact that they'd been misreported because we had one touch in the pe- opposition penalty box, and not, and it's very distracting watching you try and deal with that tiny wasp. He well, there's two. There's sort of two t- stuck together. It's very odd. He's gone up there behind my football shirt. So hopefully, ah, <laughs> oh, classic end of season pod. This isn't it. Um, Kevin, are you excited about anything next season? I'm excited that we brought Ferguson in because that's a that's a good step in the, the right direction. But I, I, if if we have if we start the season with pretty much the same squad as we've got now, then in the absence of a new kit, then no, I'm not excited about. It. I, I I would try. I'm trying to be positive because you said it's a positive question, but I at the moment generally can't think of anything massively positive. To be perfectly honest, we haven't well, got Sean, we haven't got Sean Dyche in as manager. That's a positive so far. Mm, we'll see about that. Um, 
Andy, I'll do two then for you. I'll do moment of the season, if you can give me one of them, and also what you're excited about. And I will say as well that Matt in his piece has actually agreed with Kevin because he said the chance to watch Nathan Ferguson would uh, be his exciting uh, thing for next season. Well, that's, but, about as good as, that's about as good as it gets for a Palace fan, isn't it? A new right-back. At the moment, that's the most six weeks exciting to get thing that's ever happened. We've got a new, possible new right-back. Joel Ward will only be on the substitutes bench. Woo-hoo. Uh Andy, go on then. Moment, moment of the season, or moment that summed up the season, and then what are you excited about next season? Moment of the season? Uh, well, I'd say Palace being at the forefront of the Project Restart initiative with the input of Steve Parrish. I know that some fans will not have liked it that Very we good. weren't there. And with obvious justification um, but it showed that the Premier League is a very professional well organised uh, and you know respectable organisation that's able to get stuff done um, and was, was able to surmount some pretty difficult obstacles to get football back on and even though we haven't enjoyed all of it there's still been some good games following Project Restart there's still been some good things to watch still a few good goals here and there so um you know, it's been it's been a difficult time for the world during the course of this season. It's been a difficult time for Palace as well. But there there are rays of light there, and I think um, the ability to get football back on was a good indication of what uh, human endeavour can sometimes achieve. Beautifully put, uh, Jesse. Uh, I feel like I'm on blind date. Same question to number three. Um, <laughs> moment that summed up the season and what you're excited about next season. Well, I, I think we've got to give a nod to. AU's goal of the season. Uh, I think the pirouette slalom and dink, as I like to call it, um, somehow bypassed on match today. Had it been Salah or Harry Kane, we'd never hear the end of it. Yeah. And I think that, that it deserves respect. I didn't. No one knew he was capable of that, and it just elevated the way we look at him ever since. So I just think that was just the moment of the season and the rare, the rare bright bright moments that we've seen have been thanks to um, AU and Gaeta. Um What am I looking forward to? It's just being sat, being sat back in my seat. I've, no one knows when that will be, but you do know at some point next season we'll all be back at Selhurst and it's going to be an amazing reflection point when everyone realises what they've missed and what it means to be back. So, um, <laughs> fast forward to that day when we can all... Um, socialised as before during the night. Well, yeah, well said. I think we lost Jesse there. He's, uh, God knows where he is now. But uh, I didn't say what I'm looking forward to. Uh, did you not? I, th- I thought you were sort of being generally no. positive about the world uh, post-virus. But No, what, what I'm looking forward to is um, hopefully another year staying in the Premier League. Um, the, the, the five teams that have gone down this season were the five teams with the worst defensive record. The year before, the six teams with the worst defensive records were the six teams at the bottom of the league. Palace have a good defence, and you know that's not something to be sniffed at. Um, staying in this league is a big thing, not least given the financial perils which the EFL is facing and will continue to face. Palace staying in this league, even if you think some of the football is dour, and even if you don't like Palace having a good defence or only a good attack, keeps more people in employment, keeps uh, more bums on seat, keeps more money flowing into the football club, and is a positive thing. So, you know, provided that not all of the centre-backs leave and our goalkeeper doesn't leave as well, then we should be in a, hopefully a good place to 
continue that strong defensive record next season see well said and i'm delighted to update that um it actually wasn't a wasp it was a hornet but much like my local team it's gone <laughs> hey <laughs> let's take a break there but oh before we do that uh, you can read matt's article was that just the longest setup ever for a yeah. joke no. was that was that it was that, there wasn't actually a wasp you know, all, i don't do proper setups of jokes andy come on um <laughs> You can read Matt's article there and lots of the other coverage at The Athletic. Uh, and if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a seven-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. After the break, questions. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the final part of the final FYP podcast of the season. Also boo. I, it is in many ways boo, Kevin, but we'll be back very quickly before people have even realised we've gone. Um, right, so this is the final round of questions, Kevin, from our listeners. Um, first, I should say thank you to everyone that sent us a question this week and that continues to have done so throughout the season. We really appreciate it. Of course, we can't ask them all, but uh, we will try and get through a few right now. The first one uh, is from Ben Ag by money. Hi Ben. Hi Ben. He says, "How are you guys feeling now? The season has finally finished. How are you feeling, Kevin? In general, relieved, probably. I, I think it's um, the season ended on a uh, the, the the real season, the real football back in March ended with us on a bit of a high, a bit of a roll, looking towards Europe. It tailed away." I was, I'm relieved, first of all, that football came back and that it came back so efficiently. As Andy said, a lot of work went into bringing football back. We talked with Troy Townsend about the fact that there are many groups that didn't think it was time to do so and thought the season should should not carry on. But I think it was the right decision and I think it was handled very well. And to be perfectly honest, by the end of it, it felt like a slightly different product. But it felt just as good watching football on telly as as before, even without the crowd. But I think it was a, a sense of relief that we'd got through it and that we were still in the Premier League and that you know, it's not that long to wait for football. But I, it, it's really odd. Sunday morning, I thought, I can't watch another football game. I just, I've watched too many football games. I'm watching two a day. And then Monday evening, there's nothing to watch. I was like, what do I, I haven't got anything to watch. <laughs> this is, what, what do I do now? I can't watch Bargain Hunt again. It's, so, yeah, I'll, I'll be pleased when it's... I will be pleased when it's back, but I'm also pleased to have four weeks off and... You know, I, I'm slightly annoyed that I'm back to checking news now every ten minutes to see whether we've signed anybody because I thought I was past that stage in my I life. Think, I do think you're the only person that checks news now regularly, right, and also that believes it as well. That's the other thing. <laughs> you're basically keeping news now in business. <laughs> um, well, Andy, this is Ben's 
Ben also says he feels relieved as well. And I think relief probably, as Kevin said, there is, is probably the feeling of the season right now for most Palace fans. No, I'm feeling exactly the same as I did while the season was ongoing for the last ten weeks. We've been safe since February, statistically so. I, I feel incredibly relaxed, and I felt incredibly relaxed since about March. Do you know what, Kevin? And I forgot that he then, says I that. I forgot that Andy what? says that. It's been so long since he's been on the podcast. I forgot to ask him any I'm serious questions. Yeah, um, Jesse, let me ask you a question then. Uh, I've got two questions here, actually, and this one is very much themed towards you. It's from Jack MK95. He says, Hi, "Is it time?" Hi, Jack. Is it time to replace Roy with Jesse Boyce from Norwich? (laughs) And let me follow that up with another one from Martin Laban, who says, is it right to heavily invest in a squad with a manager that's only got a year left on his contract? I love Roy, but if there's no long-term commitment from him or the club, how do you build a good five-year plan? Thank you, Martin. Any new manager would want funds to shape the squad. It's an interesting point there, Jesse, about Roy's year left on the contract. At some point, there's going to have to be a longer-term focus, whether it's with him or a new manager. I was gutted 12 months ago when Norwich got promoted because I, the, the rumours that he was my doppelganger had started to circulate. And I knew that I knew that the exposure he'd get on match today would get me a lot of text messages about quarter to, <laughs> quarter to 11 on a Saturday night. And that's what it's been like. All year, so I'm delighted to see him go back down and see him <laughs> fade, fade into obscurity. Although all my lookalike bookings are starting to dry up, so uh, pros and cons. Um, and the second part around the five-year plan. I mean, I am mystified what the long-term plan is. I think we all are. I don't think we know anything that's going on around succession planning and the way things might develop it's it's a mystery to me i mean when when i remember being at kevin's house the day we were podding the day that cookies went out to the to the backroom stuff had been announced uh kevin was understandably livid and i remember thinking it was just a matter of time before dougie would at some point be a caretaker manager and um, i don't think that will ever happen but stranger things have happened at the palace so I don't. I have no idea what the long-term plan looks like and who Roy's successor might be. But you know, it's going to be a bumpy ride to wherever it is. Yeah, Kevin, that's interesting. I'd never actually uh, thought about Palace and five-year plan combining. But Martin's got a really good point. Palace at this point, with one year left on Roy's contract, and we talk about Roy's future a lot, and he's not going to be here forever. They do need to put a five-year plan into place. Actually, yeah. Well, I, I slightly lost Jesse a bit then because uh, I'm. Also a bit nervous that he doesn't seem to be taken to the place where he thinks he's being taken to by the look on his face. Are we witnessing a kidnapping here? I, I, I did hear Jesse say that I was livid, so I've been mentally trying to narrow that down to because <laughs> that could have been a lot of times. We do. It's it's really interesting. You know, we mentioned Sean Dyche. The rumours about Sean Dyche coming in, which uh, over the last weekend were in every paper. The reason Sean Dyche is leaving Burnley is because he can't get money out of the board there for for new players. So if he's been linked with Palace, a club that has been very reluctant to spend money in the last couple of years, that either indicates the rumours are wrong or we're willing to spend money. We've been linked. Every tabloid yesterday had rumours about us getting Matt Fraser from Bournemouth for 20 million quid, which is the first time in a couple of years we've been linked with with big transfers. Something has to happen because the the fact that Roy has only got one year left in his contract is is a really interesting one because it, it will affect getting big players in because if you know if, if you've got a certain Roy Hodgson sort of player and we know who they are 
I should think they'd be worried about coming to play. You know, if he's if he's looking for another defensive midfield player to bolster that sorely needed lack of defensive midfield players <laughs> that we have, then they're going to be thinking to themselves, well, if he's if he's leaving this this time next season, and the new manager comes in and thinks I've got five defensive midfield players, I might not be in a job. It's, it's, so it's 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 an interesting one in terms of, of getting players in, without a doubt. And also the, the new stand is, is in the mix as well, because when that comes along, that's got to be filled, and that won't be filled by people coming along to watch the sort of football we're playing at the moment. But we've talked about this on every second pod, that there doesn't appear to be any succession plan. But there again, some not many clubs do. I mean, you look at clubs like Watford, yeah. And Everton, who who seemed to lurch from manager to manager, yeah, Everton brought in a, a spent a fortune on bringing in a really good manager, spent hundreds of millions of quid on players, and they only finished a couple of points ahead of us. So, yeah, we're not the only team that haven't got a, a sort of five ten year plan going ahead. And there's only really Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs that can guarantee bringing in big name managers anyway. So. We talk about succession plan, but what are the managers we want, and how many of them are out there? That's the thing. You know, we're not going to take a risk on a Frank De Boer again, so that doesn't leave many people, does it? No, that's very true. Palace are they're not in a particularly enviable situation when it comes to that kind of thing. And as you can imagine, we have had questions about what players would we grab from relegated sides and Michael Phillips has said what experienced defensive midfielder are you most looking forward to signing this <laughs> summer? But I think we'll leave rumours, Kevin. Um, for when we have confirmed ins and outs of the club because we could be here and delegate delegate and um, debate about rumours all day long but I'm going to move on to a couple more questions and of course if there is a change of manager in the next few weeks we will of course reconvene and do a podcast and talk about that but I think we'll wait for things to happen before we talk about them Uh, two questions left then of the final pod of uh, this well I say two three Losso Papi Seven I says lost. any any info seven. on the new kit, and I think the answer is no. Uh, I don't think any of us have got the sort of info, inside information on the kit, apart from the fact that it will be shirts, shorts, and socks. Nice, I'd imagine. I think it will include some amount of red and some amount of blue, probably. I think that's a, that's a fair that's a fair shout, Andy. Well done. Um, Joe does golf. Hi, Joe does golf. Hi, Joe. Uh, I'm going to put this question to Andy. Says um, was. We talked about Jordan Ayew's goal earlier. Was Jordan Ayew's goal the best goal we've scored in the Premier League purely based on skill? And the reason I've put this to you is because Joe has added, take emotion out of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fancy elaborating on that? Getting emotional or not? Not really, no. Uh, I, I think that, yeah, the, the, you know, the... the it was a great goal. It was, it was just a fantastic goal, wasn't it? It's pretty rare at that level where you're dealing with exceptionally fit, exceptionally well-drilled, excellent footballers. There, there aren't many players in the Premier League who, even if you don't think they are you know, at the ultra-elite level, you could say are bad. It's, we're not talking about the 90s anymore. Everyone who plays in the Premier League, even if they're playing for a team that isn't brilliant, is good, really, really good. So to be able to do what he did and basically jink in and out of three defenders in very tight areas... And then lift it in the way that he did over the keeper. I mean, it was just... I, I saw lots of fans saying, you know, be a uh, goal befitting of Lionel Messi's repertoire. And sometimes fans are obviously prone to repertoire on social media, not least when they say such things as Stuart O'Keefe would be a, a, an appropriate Ballon d'Or winner. Um, so, you know, you sometimes hear ridiculous things said by people. But I actually think it was correct. You know, it was very much like the sort of goal that you can imagine him 
scoring and him taking it past players in that way and finishing the way that he did. So, um, yeah, it's fantastic. And it was in the last minute and it was Boxing Day. Which, exactly. which somehow made it better, I think. Because we scored a couple. I mean, Wolf's goal against Chelsea was, yeah. got overlooked by the media. That was a fantastic goal. Abe's goal against Norwich was a really good team goal. But that, I mean, that goal against West Ham, just, I think it was the circumstances. The fact that we were 1 0 down and we got back and we scored. And just the fact that when, when he picked the ball up, nobody, I didn't yeah. bother standing up. No one, no one thought that him picking the ball up where he did was going to end up with a goal. But yeah, it was wonderful. It's a shame it didn't get uh, nominated for goal of the season because it didn't win goal of the month. It lost to the Son goal against Burnley, so that's a shame. But actually... Well, I think he probably deserved it because he massively overperformed on his XG this season, so <laughs> he didn't really deserve the, the player of the season award. Oh, in actually, fact, we haven't even spoken about with, that, have we? Quite, we quite, quite lucky with his, his, his finishing, frankly. So, um, if, if anything, lots of things balance out and even out, and that was one of them. I hadn't even, I hadn't even made a note. Kevin of the uh, the awards. In this fact, getting week. an award when 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 he wasn't entitled to it, having previously not been even nominated for an award that he was, you could perhaps say was a regression to the mean of sorts. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the awards, Kevin? I actually felt like uh, they were all quite straightforward and obvious this week as to who got what. Guaita may have been up for Player of the Year as well, but that's about it, really. Do you, do you know we'd started this pod in the spirit of honesty and fairness. I'd forgotten the awards had even happened. <laughs> To be perfectly honest, I, yeah, I, once I once I learnt there was no kit to be unveiled, I wasn't going to bother streaming. Who won? Who won? Are you got player of the season, goal oh, of the enough. season, and players player of the season? Oh, fair enough. There you go. That was a short ceremony, then, wasn't it? Well, that, that actually, but that, what you just said there sums it up. Oh yeah, fair yeah. enough. That yeah. that kind of sums up that that week, uh, those awards, and kind of sums sums up the season yeah. actually. But in fact, Jesse, we're talking of the are you goal. It's been a weird season. It's been a long season. There's been some real highs and real lows. For me, that RU goal, and I think Joe is right, it is the most technically skillful goal we scored in the Premier League, will be my takeaway from this season, if we're going to try and take away something positive from it. Because it was wonderful, wasn't it? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. At, at the time, It was a friend of mine was over from back home in Croydon from New Zealand with tickets for that game to take his... Um, nephew to his first ever game and they were on in row one right in line with the goal they've like literally the best viewpoint for his first ever game i think wow, it's just brilliant. a perfect baptism for uh the youngsters against his first game um yeah are you are you the sort of he's just as we've regularly said this season he's just surpassed expectations the strike up against watford was also a particularly good one and never can't, can't go far yeah. wrong doesn't matter how they go in against Brighton. That was an amazing uh, away away day. Uh, and the um, awards night, the first, the, probably the only hat trick he'll ever get in his career. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. And he got quite emotional when he got the award as well, which was nice. Nice to see. Unlike Andy Street, nice to see someone uh, giving some emotion. Kevin, the final question of this podcast is from a TM Garrod. Bye, TM. And it's looking forward to next season. He says, "Where do you finish? Where do you see us finishing next season? And could you shout out Ben Muscat, please?" I could shout out Ben Muscat. Of course, I could, unless he's related <laughs> to Kevin Muscat. In which case, I don't want to shout out Ben Muscat. <laughs> Hello, Ben Muscat. How are you, mate? Um, I, 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 oh, Jesse's out of the cab. That's a relief. Now he's running. <laughs> oh, he's he running very fast down some sort That's of alleyway. That's the camper van. The camper van is there. Hey, how exciting! <laughs> That's perfect timing as well. Isn't great it? timing. Perfect timing. Um, 
I, I think I genuinely feel that without surgery to the squad, we will struggle again next season. We we do we do we do need. I, I love Joel Ward. I don't think Joel Ward has been as as bad as people say he's been in the last few weeks. I, I can't. I don't see that myself personally. But he's he's a player that in a position that we need to change. We need to freshen. We've we've done that. We we need two or three new players, and we know where we need them. And if we don't get them in, and experience tells you we probably won't, then I think we're probably in for much of the same next season. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's, it's the same theme we've come back to a lot, uh, and I'd imagine uh, Andy, your your answer w- would be similar. That you know, without investment, it might be another struggle. But there's always that potential with Palace, and if they invest right and start the season right, as with this season, there's always that potential that they could actually kick on a bit. Well, when you look at it, our two best players, sorry, our, our three nominated players for player of the season this year were Guaita, who cost nothing in terms of fee, I, who reportedly cost 2.5 million in terms of fee, and Gary Cahill, who cost nothing in terms of fee. So, notwithstanding that they aren't cheap on, on the wages side, footballers, um, it can still be the case that you don't necessarily have to have spent an absolute colossal amount on fees to, to do well. And that's borne out by the fact that three of the four clubs who were in contention to go down and two of them who did spent a huge amount on fees and it didn't necessarily get them to any better place. So yes, you do sometimes need to do so. And particularly if you want to acquire younger, more promising players who are going to have resale value, but even then it's not necessarily going to be the case that always has to happen because Ferguson is young and has come in again, uh, contract expiry points. So, um, I, I, yeah, there's look, there's going to have to be at some point uh, some addressing of the average age of the squad and the fact that um, there have been a number of windows where there haven't been a huge amount of players brought in. But I, I'm by no means as uh, fatalistic on that point as some fans are. Jesse, you've reached the camper van. T- talk us through your feelings. It looks like a BBC Three drama documentary, <laughs> Jesse. It's, like, it's really bizarre. <laughs> we timed it well. We timed it perfectly. <laughs> Got in the cab thinking it was about an hour and it turned out beautifully. So uh, it's 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 a nice blue camper van. Could do with some red stripes. And tell us briefly then, where do you think Palace will will, will finish next season? What, what are your thoughts? Same same again, isn't it? It's the same again. I think we just we got to stay up for all costs until we can start hauling down the main stand and finally start developing it. We just have to stay up and we just have to accept that. We can't go Charlton and West Ham and, and think we deserve a whole lot more, especially not when we don't have. We're not a, the, we're not really the plaything of uh, a rich Arab owner, or we haven't got ridiculous investment. It's just kind of it got to accept where we are and just not not got to get too carried away or too too impatient. But I do think we should have a little bit of reason to be expecting some an injection of some good younger younger players that can just re- refresh the squad. Like we've needed it more than ever. And especially being so, so blunt up front, we just got to expect some really good attacking options coming in. So if we do that, we should, we just need somebody to score, you know, close to 10 goals a season. Keep, stay tight at the back. Keep Gaeta, keep Gaeta and keep him fit. And let's be, let's be realistic. More of the same. Nicely put. Right, Jesse, go and get in your van 
and uh, have a safe journey back. Thank you very much for joining us and adding some jeopardy to this final podcast of the season. Uh, Andy, thanks for joining us. Great to have you back on. <laughs> Top man. And Kevin, as ever, genuinely, and I joke about this each week, could not do it without you. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's sweet of you. Watch out for wasps. <laughs> I told you, they're hornets around here. Um, let's do, I also need to thank, we've had so many great guests on the pod this season. I want to thank them now. Obviously, uh, our main four, Kevin, Andy, and James Endicott, who couldn't be here this week. Uh, people like Jesse and the rest of our squad, Chloe, Dom, Troy, John Curran, Ed Mallion and Matt from The Athletic, Doc Brown, Richard Foster, James Gill, Selzy and Rob on The Patron Pod, Sean Derry, Paddy McCarthy, Joel Ward, Clinton Morrison, Dean Austin, Jeff Thomas, Phil Barber, Gary Issett, Steve Browett. Who awarded this guy an Oscar? (laughs) And, of course, we are nothing without our patrons, and we really appreciate their support. And even though this pod is stopping for a few weeks, the patron pods will continue in August. We've got a quiz on Sunday, and we're going to do... Uh, some more nostalgic pods through August before the new season and you can join our patron at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast thank you so much for supporting us this season and listening each week we really appreciate it stay safe and we'll be with you again in a few weeks for the start of the new season goodbye bye everybody wash your hands wear a mask goodbye Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.